Design Guy, Episode 15. Design Guy here. Welcome to the show. This is the program that explores timeless principles of design and explains them simply. If you're just joining us, our motto here is principles first, or to quote Ralph Waldo Emerson, if you learn only methods, you'll be tied to your methods, but if you learn principles, you can devise your own methods, which is why we don't spend time on specific software tips or methods. Now, there are excellent shows that cover the technical side of things, but we purposely confine the scope of the show to principles, because our goal is to offer information that doesn't change, and it's those principles that we can safely commit to long-term memory. Now, we're in the midst of a series on creativity, with the most recent shows focusing on the creative mind. In the last program, we introduced left-brain, right-brain theory. And while some of the popular teaching on the subject is overly broad, we said that the model still holds up, at the very least as a good metaphor for creatives because it describes some very real mental dynamics that we all experience. We also mashed it up a bit with the Freudian teaching about id and ego and superego, because there's a degree of overlap. Both models suggest a kind of mental duality that we need to be aware of and that we need to manage. And it boils down to this. There's a side of us that acts like a logician or inner critic or adult. And this logical, rational side complements and sometimes conflicts with the creative inner child part of us. So they either play well together in a coordinated fashion, or they cause us to be internally conflicted, short-circuiting our creativity. This becomes practical for us when we realize that we've got a part of us that just wants to create. So we should allow it to run with reckless abandon for a little while, We should learn how to exercise that inner wild child or right side of the brain because it can be very productive, very prolific. Of course, we may generate a lot of crazy stuff that we'll need to rein in later, but at least we're laying down a lot of raw material. We're manifesting the stuff we've fed our unconscious mind with up to now. So by laying it down in a frenzied rush, we're quickly giving ourselves things to play with and shape and to structure. Writers tend to think of this process as two modes. There are two modes of production that we want to manage. The first, which we've just described, is called flow. And like the word suggests, we allow our ideas to spill out of us for a while so that we can get a complete, if imperfect, set of thoughts down. And if we're designers, that means we'll be playing with type and color and other elements until things start to take shape. If we're writers, we're making that mad dash to the end of our first version of a manuscript. And since we're unleashing that inner crazy child, we know up front, we know going into this, that we're going to throw down a lot of material, only to throw much of it out later. But as I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, in a somewhat different context, this is when we should be thinking quantity first, not quality. We've got to fill the bucket before we can skim off the cream. There will be time later to subject this material to critical thought and to fix it, but for now, we can allow ourselves to let it flow without any concern to who's going to see this monstrosity we're creating. And this brings us to our second mode, which is edit. 
We've let the crazy inner child have his fun. Now we switch modes. We summon the logical, rational, more adult part of us. The part of us that wants to nitpick and criticize and immediately set to fixing things. This is the left brain. This is that superego or finger-wagging grown-up. This is what writers tend to think of as the inner critic or editor. So the key to productivity is knowing when to gag this inner critic, when to tell him to shut up, when to ignore him or put duct tape on his mouth or lock him up in the broom closet upstairs. If we can allow ourselves to be in that flow mode until we get a version of whatever we're working on down, then, as we've said, we'll supply ourselves with all the fodder that we need for that inner critic to work with later. And we need this inner critic. We want to have polished work. We want to subject our early drafts to scrutiny. And we want to continue revising our work in light of all the design principles that we've taken the trouble to learn about. But we need to suspend that edit mode long enough so that we can get something down on the page first. Otherwise, we'll be afraid to make a move. We'll be paralyzed by the voice of that inner critic. This is what I mean by managing these modes. If we don't coordinate them in a disciplined fashion, then we'll experience a crippling form of conflict. Now, the separation between these modes will tend to characterize your personal work habits or style of production. If you can discipline yourself to tear off a crazy first version before going into edit mode, you may tend to finish faster. If you revert between flow and edit very rapidly, you may tend to go slower. The writer Dean Kuntz admits to being one of those writers who just has to perfect one sentence, one paragraph, one page at a time before moving on to the next. He just can't work any other way. He doesn't revisit those pages much because he's done. He's flowed and edited almost simultaneously. They're not really distinct and separate modes to someone like this. Other writers and creatives tend to be able to get that wild, unruly draft down without a lot of interruption from the inner critic and then they fix it in later passes. In my own experience, I find that my habits change depending on the nature of the project and my mood, but I do find it helpful to be aware of this left-brain-right-brain model, this flow-and-edit concept, because when I am getting tied up in knots, I can remind myself to relax, to work a little less inhibited for a while, knowing that I can fix it later. And with this awareness of flow versus edit in mind, I hope you'll be helped also as you strategically muzzle your inner critic and let the ideas flow. Well, that'll do for today. As usual, I'll have show notes at my webpage, which is located at designguyshow.blogspot.com. Music is by kcentricity.com. I thank you again for tuning in, and I hope to have you back next time. <laughs>